You're listening to WO Voices, a podcast series from Women in Optometry magazine. I'm Marjolyn Bailefeld, editor of Women in Optometry. We're delighted you can join us. Welcome. We're here today with Dr. Carrie Geed, ODMSFAAO of Eola Eyes in Orlando, Florida. We're going to be talking about presbyopes and what you wish patients would know about presbyopia. Dr. Geed, you opened Eola Eyes in 2003, right? So some of your patients have kind of uh, aged into presbyopia, I'm sure, now. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about that. Yes, uh, certainly my patients and, and myself have, have hit that uh, major milestone in life, for sure. So, you know, when I started my career, like most of us, you know, talking about presbyopia as a, you know, young ODF, fresh out of school, you know, with the academic training and knowledge now, it, it hits really close to home. So, yes, it's been it's been a journey and it's been an exciting time in, in our profession and optometry and vision care to see all the products. I certainly would have never thought in 2003 that I'd be talking about even pharmaceutical treatments for presbyopia and some of the things we are now. So, yes, it's been it's been a great run of 20 years now with our practice. So how much has the presbyopic market uh, changed in, in that time? How much is it growing in, in your practice and probably many other practices? Yeah, I, I don't know that I've even attempted to quantify how much it's growing, but I really think, you know, in a practice like ours, we're fairly um, downtown in a very urban area. We, we have a very working age patient population, not as much pediatrics, not as much in a retiree age group. So certainly, you know, working age presbyopes, 40 to 50 year olds and, and plus or minus there is our real niche in patient care. Um, you know, I think that the actual volume of patients and, and numbers of presbyopes has certainly grown and and also, you know, the their desire to explore new options, you know, in the last 20 years that we've been in practice, not only have we seen changes in, in their correction options and things that we think of as optometrists and um, eye care providers, but also, you know, we've seen a total revolution with smartphones and, and other technology that has really recalibrated everybody's expectations of their eyes and the demands that they have on their vision. And I think as we look back over the last couple decades of of um, advancements in technology, both in our profession and in our world with smartphones and, and other devices. It's been um, quite an evolution and, and a lot to keep up with, but makes practice fun and exciting every day. Are today's presbyopes different than the, the generation of presbyopes before them? I think each one of us, right, as we go through life, I'm the mom of three teenagers who think that I have no idea what it's like to be a teenager. So I'm sure that, you know, we all see the world through our own um, lenses and our own generation and so forth. So, you know, I don't know that I would say it's so different. I think patients just want to see and, and they might have greater demands, but I don't know that it's vastly different than a generation ago, even though the specific details of what they need to see are, are certainly different. As technology and healthcare and other areas has grown so much, people are still surprised by presbyopia a bit and um, still sometimes frustrated with the limited options they've been given um, or that they're aware of in the world because they're still struggling with reading glasses or they just don't realize the the range of options that are now available. And so when they do come to us, they're looking for that education and, and those opportunities to try new products and 
um, free them from their drugstore readers a lot of times. Does presbyopia creep up on today's late 30s, early 40s person? Uh, you know, I think sometimes it does. You know, I think there are even pre-presbyopes that are struggling with eye strain, just given the level of demand. And, you know, there's obviously lots of discussion through COVID as everything became very digital and virtual um, and, and just the strain that that could lead to uh, even outside of true presbyopia. So I think we have patients who it does gradually come upon them, you know, 40 to 45, sometimes five plus years of of gradual progression where those symptoms of stretching their arms out a little longer, looking for the flashlight with their smartphone and so forth. Um, and it, it is a gradual thing. And then there's other people that it really just feels like a flip, you know, flip switch, you know, they could read yesterday and they can't read today. So we have this conversation often in practice. And I imagine that's true of many optometrists that it, it really can vary quite dramatically, even with people who know that it's coming based on older peers, spouses, family members and stuff, it, it, it can be gradual or, or just hit them like a, like a train. <laughs> so when do you start talking to patients about presbyopia? Um, you know, I, there are certainly different schools of thought on that. And I don't know that there's really one right or wrong way. I think you'll have very highly esteemed colleagues of mine argue one way or the other as to how much and, and if you discuss this before the symptoms really start. I find that I, I question patients certainly to, to try to query their symptoms and make sure that we are addressing all of their, their problems and concerns, even if things they've normalized and have uh, thought were just typical things like eye strain on their digital devices or whatnot. Um, so we, we talk about those things, but unless there's really something that they're ready to address, you know, I, I don't know that I often will say the phrase to pay my patients, you know, I'm never here to create a problem that didn't exist before you walked in my doors um, when it comes to vision correction options. And that's not always the case in, in eye care or healthcare in general. You know, I'll tell my patients if you had signs of glaucoma or you went into your primary care doctor's office and your blood pressure or blood sugar were elevated, those might not be things that had symptoms, but we do have to do something about them um, to preserve your overall health. But things like presbyopia, we can follow the patient's lead, I think. And, and in the end, they're best served, I think, by, you know, letting them decide when when that conversation goes deeper and when they're ready. There's a, a little bit of an emotional angle to to a presbyopia discussion, isn't there? Then nobody, nobody wants to wear readers. Very true. Um, and it is an emotional thing and and it's it is kind of one of these milestones of of aging so to speak and not that 40 to 45 is old we i think most of us who have been there and done that would absolutely say it's not but it's it, it does remind people of of the passing time and and it's just a source of frustration i mean even us on a practical level um without it being necessarily anxiety or depression inducing, um, it can just feel frustrating. It's a burden to just not be able to pick up your phone and see a text message really quickly or glance at a product in a store or a, you know, a menu in a restaurant and be able to, to, to do that. So there's that frustration combined with just the, the reminder on a constant basis that you're, you're of this age is it is an emotional journey for people. So when somebody starts to complain of of symptoms of presbyopia, where where do you like to start? I mean, where do you where do you take them? What's the journey? 
So, you know, it, I think my discussions with patients have evolved a bit, and I, I imagine this is true for many practitioners as you join that club and you can commiserate with those patients. Um, it, it does change a bit because uh, I certainly feel them in ways I couldn't feel them, you know, 10, 15 years ago. But I, I will, you know, just openly talk to patients that I always say it's, I could think it's part of my job to let you know what's new and different in the world of, of correction options and what we can do for you. And, and we'll talk about these things and see what you might want to consider and what might be the best fit for you. Um, if that's a contact lens wearer, you know, it's an exciting time in contact lenses, you know, 20 over the last 20 years. And even over the last few years, we've had such a great expansion in the products and, and options available to, to contact lens wearers. So that's a much easier and much more successful process than it ever was um, earlier in my career to, to achieve success and relieve their symptoms. Patients who never needed vision correction before, obviously we talk about not only glasses, reading glasses, progressive lenses, or, you know, or the option of contact lenses. We talk now about pharmaceutical options with, with, regard to, you know, things like Vuity, and now we've got some other things that will probably come to market sooner than later. Um, obviously, traditional drops, we've got Inovia, who's releasing, a, hopes to release a, a product in a microjet dispenser, uh, so different types of application. You know, I have highly myopic patients in particular who have, some of them have achieved great success with multifocal um, intraocular lenses. So, not that we overwhelm each new presbyope with all of those options, but depending on where they're starting from and the level of those symptoms, you know, we're going to kind of tailor that conversation and talk to them about the options that may work for them. And it is really a wonderful, you know, position to be in as a provider to know that you've got such an arsenal of options available to you to, to discuss with those patients. Now, I think we've all seen sort of the, the, that show that contact lens wear often kind of plummets after around the age of, of 40. Do you, is that something you try to counter? Absolutely. I, I, I continue to be surprised and disappointed, I guess, in a way of, you know, are we really as a profession doing right by these patients if that's still the statistic that is so often quoted about the, you know, the level of dropout in contact lenses or drop off in contact lens wear? we're still seeing a lot of practitioners who don't really lean into the multifocal lens options and um, still have some, what are now, I would say, really outdated perceptions of the, the success that we have in, in multifocal contact. So um, I really try to speak with and encourage my colleagues to, to really try the options available. I mean, we, we continue to see a, a steady stream of new products come to market that this year is going to, you know, add to our list of, of more options. I was um, fortunate to participate in the, the clinical trial um, for infused multifocal lenses that will launch by mid-year. Um, so that's a, a really exciting option that will not only, you know, provide a new presbyopic correction, but also really a lens that was very intentionally designed to, to address, you know, the comfort of the lens and, and um, its uh, performance on the ocular surface and main, maintaining ocular surface homeostasis. So we still see that data that you quoted, uh, and I see those stats referenced often, but uh, I, I see in my practice tremendous success with multifocal contact lenses. Um, and I have three other doctors that I work with, and, and uh, we are very proactive about offering that option and, and working with patients to, to achieve success while setting proper expectations, but often really 
really exceeding their expectations in the end. Is the the barrier or the hurdle on the practitioner's side or on the patient's side or a little bit of both? You know, it probably is a little bit of both, but I honestly think um, in, in many practices, the, the bigger hurdle is on the part of the practitioner. I, I hear that in my patients, you know, when they come in and, you know, they've been referred by a friend or they tell me if they're new to my practice, maybe where they've been before and and not specifically, you know, with any one practitioner, but just in general that they've been to other offices and didn't realize that multifocal options existed. They're still wearing monovision or readers. Um, and some of those patients have chosen that option intentionally and are very happy with that. But so many of them have never even given the been given the opportunity to try multifocals. And oftentimes, uh, especially as they've grown more dependent on their readers or need increasing an increasing disparity in their lens prescriptions with monovision with the right eye versus the left eye being increasingly unequal with the higher ads, you know, the, the multifocal options are often by far their give them the most satisfactory vision. So is this a difficult discussion to have with, with patients? Uh, does it take a lot of time or disrupt the flow of the practice? You know, that's a really great question because for all of us who want to do the best for our patients and provide, uh, you know, the best opportunities and the best testing and the best products and, and the best care all around, you, you still have a business to run and you need it to flow and be efficient um, to really allow your business to run. And, and so I think when someone's first starting out with really diving into multifocals, it can feel like a lot, but I, I can assure you that once you, you kind of iron out your, you know, your, your speeches that you will give a multitude of times every day. And, you you know, you kind of work through, you know, the learning curve on some of those lenses and, and really that the companies provide great advice. There's fitting guides. There's often online tutorials. Our reps, I think, are often an underused uh, resource. You know, they are well-trained in most ca- uh, companies and most situations to to help you and partner with you to, to be successful in that fitting. And with a, a short, steep learning curve, um, you know, I, I don't think that has to be at all hugely disruptive. Um, I think most of us work with some assistants or technicians, whether that's a scribe, technicians, you know, all of the above. And so I think there has to be some delegation involved when you, you know, have the conversation, pull the lens trial lenses or the diagnostic lenses to, to try on that patient. And, and oftentimes you're then turning that over to uh, someone else in the office to, to kind of take over and work with that patient a little bit. You can certainly see lots of patients successfully. And, and oftentimes, you know, from a productivity standpoint and a you know, just an overall practice profitability standpoint, um, a little investment of time and education for that patient and a little more work on the front end to find success with a multifocal contact, you know, really reaps a lot of rewards. They're, you know, those are very loyal patients. They buy premium products, premium contact lenses, premium eyeglasses. And it's, it's certainly the return on that investment is, is very high. Let me circle back to something that you said at the start about how you sort of uh, became more empathetic with with the uh, with yeah. the presbyope as you entered yourself. How do you share that that uh, learned empathy with some of your younger technicians? 
You know, you raise a really good question and, and point because whether it's a younger technician or even a younger OD who I'm trying to to kind of mentor through that process, um, there is something to be said for for when you can really share that experience with the patient. And um, you know, some patients it is as we discussed, kind of emotional, sometimes even a bit sensitive for for people who are um, you know kind of facing some of these realities with aging. So I think um, for one as as the optometrist, when you when you're leading your technicians, I mean it, it. That conversation is oftentimes led in the exam room, and whether it's an optician who's carrying out the plan that we've kind of laid out with their eyewear, or um, a technician who's carrying through what we've directed with their contact lenses. First and foremost, you as the doctor and the prescriber are kind of setting the stage for that, and so they're a good a staff member and a good team member is going to kind of help partner with you and, and just carry out what you've already positioned with the patient. Uh, in our practice and, and in many practices, the, a well-trained technician will realize that that patient will show them real-world type experience type visual demands, whether it be their smartphone, looking outside, we're not having them read a 2020 eye chart and grading them by the same scale per se that we're going to grade a middle school myope who is there for their contact lens visit. They're going to set proper and realistic expectations and help the doctor try to achieve those goals with the patient in terms of gathering the feedback. I, I think you do raise a good point, though, that you need to work with your staff and and help them understand where, where you set the bar for a visual acuity check, where you, you know, sort of direct the conversation when the patient is perhaps struggling with certain things, but how can we make that better and how can we meet most of their needs most of the time and where do glasses perhaps fit into the equation if that's going to be part of it? How can we try a new option that, you know, is going to better meet their expectations and, and needs if that's the case? But it's, it is it is a journey, I think, with your staff and, and as a young OD trying to, to work through that. But I think as you see success with the products and you really, it, it, there's no better time than the present with the last 20 years as a reference. I, I mean, you're, you're really reinforced by the the great success that you have as to how well these lenses perform. And, and it's much easier than it was 10 years ago to have these conversations. Dr. Geed, your, uh, your, your patients who are approaching presbyopia are uh, lucky to have you. Uh, thank you so much for sharing your expertise. Thank you so much for having me. It was great to talk with you again and be well. Thank you for listening. I hope you join us again on WL Voices. If you'd like to be a guest on the series, please send us an email at wovoicesonline at gmail.com, through our website at womeninoptometry.com, through Facebook at WL Magazine, or through Twitter or Instagram at WomenODs. See you next time.